0: Traders Point. How we doing? So good to be with you. Super Bowl Sunday, huh? Kansas City fans, who thinks Kansas City's winning it? All right. What about Tampa? Tampa, anybody? Okay, a few. Where are my uh, go sports people? You have no care. You're just here for the hot wings. Some good food. I'd probably fall into that camp if I'm being honest this year. Um, but hey, welcome. So glad that you're with us, all of our campuses, everyone watching online. Today we are continuing in our series, a, Let's Talk About It. And here's the, the big idea behind it. Um, last year, it was around March, maybe you remember this, uh, maybe not, but we, um, we got hit by a. Uh, a global pandemic, okay? Uh, Maybe you remember it, maybe you're still remembering it right now. And uh, it's something that we're all facing. We all see the, the consequences of every single day. But what we've also said is, hey, there's another pandemic. There's another pandemic that's not getting the coverage that the first one's getting. And here's that other pandemic. Maybe you know about this one. It's the mental and emotional health pandemic. It's a big one. Kaiser goes as far as to say that it's affecting one out of every two. Campuses, that means you are the person next to you. Living rooms just got real weird, right? Got real tense. You are chewing that bacon for a long time. Like, please don't make eye contact with me. But it's true. This is something that is affecting all of us from one level are the next. I mean, none of us are exempt. So what we said is, hey, instead of trying to sweep it under the rug or pretending like it's not a real thing, let's talk about it. And so then every week we just want to have a conversation around a different topic. And last week we kicked things off looking at anger. And I'm telling you, if you missed this one, this is one you need to circle back on. AB did an incredible job talking about anger. And we also want to talk about anxiety and depression, and this is a new one that we just added a couple days ago based on the feedback we were getting from you guys about doubt. So let's have a conversation about what it is and, and what it isn't. And then the one that we want to talk about today is addiction. Addiction. Research is showing that, you know, new habits are being formed and old habits are resurfacing. And this is probably no surprise to you. Maybe you felt this, whether you've turned back to something that you haven't done in a really long time, but now you're you're leaning on it, or maybe in this season where you just got so overwhelmed, you begin to reach out to things and you found something that at first just kind of felt like it was helping you cope, but now it feels like it's it's kind of taking control. And what we've said is hey, let's talk about it, because the church should be the safest place to be able to talk about our struggles. Church should be the place where we can raise our hands and say, hey, we need grace. We need help more so than, than anyone else, not, not less. And for you, if you're struggling with any kind of addiction, anxiety, anything we're going to talk about, we just want you to know that you're welcome, that you're not alone. You're not even in the minority right now. We are all struggling with this. And with addiction, it's, it's not hard to, to believe that we would be struggling with addiction. Like our culture is ruthless. The goal is not even for us to like something or to simply enjoy it anymore. It's to be addicted. So much so, maybe you've seen this. There is actually a collection on Netflix called Binge Worthy. Do you know how wild that is? To come out and not even to hide it, but to say, hey, this, these here, these are addiction Worthy, all right? You should watch these. These are worth your nights, your weekends, your free time. Don't, don't worry about how I know it's there, okay? I just do. <laughs> but what do we do? We don't let we, our pride gets in the way and say, not us. We can just watch an episode tonight, and we'll do it like we used to do back in the old days. We'll watch one episode tonight, and then next week we'll pick up on it again. We'll watch another episode, nice and even. What happens? You start watching... You're three episodes in, no bathroom break, and then you get this message. You ever got this one? <laughs> it's one of the most defeating messages when you realize you've gone too far. But am I the only one that doesn't just read, are you still watching? But are you still really watching? Really, man? This is, this is what you're going to do? I know we said binge-worthy, but this is, this is getting out of control But the thing is, that's not the only time we're bombarded with options to continue, to take in too much, to be addicted. We get messages like this that pop up in front of us all the time. You know, messages to continue shopping. Are we going to click it? Continue drinking. Continue eating. Continue working. You fill in the blank. We are bombarded with all of these things. There's no shortage of what we can become addicted to. And to be honest, there's probably probably no one here that's not addicted to something. And addictions, they can come in a variety of different things. We can lean on all kinds of things. But what an addiction is, is all the same at, at its root And it actually has some pretty deep and scary origins. The the word itself, this this is what an addiction is. An addiction is to be enslaved to or bound to. It's to be powerless to something. I don't know if you've ever met someone that struggles with addiction, but no one chooses that. No one signs up for that. But it is, an addiction is so powerful that it can take the strongest of men and women and bend it to their will to the point that they feel hopeless and helpless. That what we choose to obey, what we bond to, we actually become a slave to. And the Bible actually talks about this in, in Romans 6. Romans 6 says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. It can be anything. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. That we, whatever we choose to obey, that, that's what it's going to take us. And maybe you're thinking, well, my thing is not really a, a sin. The thing I'm addicted to, it's not, it's not too bad. The problem more so in what it is, is, is what it does that what we choose to obey, we, we bring it up a notch. We begin to look to it to, to fulfill us, to, to satisfy us. That's, that's when an addiction really becomes a problem, and that's, that's what it is. And we can look at addiction from so many different angles, but for today, th- this is the way we want to talk about it. We want to talk about addiction through this. Addiction is how we try to solve a mental and emotional problem. Addiction in the sense of this is something we use to try to solve a mental or an emotional problem. A problem arose in our life that we did not have a solution for, we did not have the words for, we did not have a process in place. So we began to lean on something. It might even have happened underneath our noses. We were working through some unprocessed problems and pain. And then an addiction came. And it allowed us to temporarily suspend the problems we were having. And we got all of this good stuff. We were able to finally be done. We, we thought. We found a way. We found a way to short circuit the problems that we were having. We, we bonded to this thing only to become enslaved to it. And when you think about addiction from this angle, I think it does a lot of things with empathy, with how we navigate it. But it also makes a lot of sense when you place it under a Christian worldview. When we begin to look at what addiction is, we could almost even say that addiction is a response to sin. And maybe you're like, that sounds a little backwards. Um, but, But hear me, sin in the sense of separation from God. That within humanity, there's this gap between us and God, and we choose to fill the gap. And a lot of times, what we choose to fill that gap, that brokenness with, does not fix anything. It actually just creates more problems. And if you go all the way back to the beginning of humanity, what we would call the creation story, we see this thing played out. Adam and Eve placed in a garden. And then what happens? They bond with this snake, with this demonic force, this 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 lie. And here's the lie that Adam and Eve believe, and it's one that we all are tempted with and fall into addictions under. Here it is. God won't, but this will. God won't, but this will. Adam and Eve. God gave them everything, but the devil was able to creep in and say, hey, what about this? What about this tree? What is God holding out on you? Why won't he give you this? Because if you had this you could actually be better, you could actually be more, you could actually deal with some of that tension that you're facing and, and they take the fruit and they bit into it and what was it? Their eyes were opened. It's the same thing for us, that we feed into the temptation, we believe the lie that God can't, nothing's taken this away, so we bite into the fruit and our eyes are opened, but not necessarily in a good way and we can't unopen them once it's there but what we want to do is process through it what we want to do is have a conversation around it let's talk about it and to do that we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2 starting in verse 15 and uh, what we're going to pick up with here is this is a letter written from a guy to a church just like this in times just like this where people were struggling with addictions. And we're gonna pick up here and, and just, I'm gonna read it all and then we'll break it down little by little as we go. But, but look at this. It says, Do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So let's break that down. It says, do not love the world or the things in it because all that they can offer you is a craving. Maybe one of the worst things on the planet is to have a craving that you can't satisfy. To have a craving to know exactly or think you do what you want. You can taste it, but you have no way of getting it. Maybe it's a sandwich from your favorite restaurant, but they've already closed or they haven't opened. Or maybe they're permanently closed like a buffalo chicken from Moe and Johnny's. If you know, you know. Or maybe it's to crave something that you just can't have. Like, like to crave a championship from your professional sports team, but to live in Indiana. <laughs> don't come at me unless you see Tayshon Prince in your nightmares. All right, You don't know the struggle. It's to crave something, but to not be able to have it. He says that, that's what it's like. That's what addiction is. Is like, and then he says that it's fading. It's this idea that it's like a roller coaster, that you make your way up to it. And as soon as you get it, if you are able to, to swing at it, you get a taste of it, but it's not enough to sustain. Then immediately, once you get your high, you're all the way on the way back down. It is fleeting. He says, this, this is all that it can offer you. And these are the things that we turn to from day to day, from day to day. And then, this is incredible, the brilliance of the Bible, written thousands of years ago, finds a way to take all of the things we struggle with, the addictions that we face, and to boil them down into three categories. Look at this. Boils them down into three. Pleasure, possessions, and pride. Pleasure, possessions, and pride. And I just want to spend a little bit of time working through each one of them. Things that we find ourselves uh, addicted to. Let's talk about it. Pleasure. Now, there are a lot of things that can bring us pleasure. And the fascinating thing is our brain registers it all the same way. No matter where the source of it comes from, it gives us the same dopamine hit that that we want to have. It And as an addiction grows, it moves from it'd be nice to get it to we will give up everything to have this one thing. Pleasure. And now obviously we can look at pleasure from different angles from there's definitely bad sources of pleasure like pornography, promiscuity, drugs, alcohol. There's this sense of pleasure that those things give us and, and definitely need to be on the lookout for those. But there's also good things that we can kind of make God things that we can elevate that when they become our main source of pleasure, they can actually cause a lot of pain and a lot of problem. Like what about food? No. When we look to food to solve a mental or an emotional problem, we call it emotional eating, that when savory becomes your savior. I wrote that in the notes. I thought it was clever. But it's this idea that it could be anything, but my, my pleasure, my main source of pleasure, is there anything in my life outside of God that I say that, that I need me and this bonded together to feel complete? It's the pleasure question. The second one is possessions. That we can see a lot of addictions around uh, accruing different things, having things, craving them. And it could be anything, it's the scale of where you live and how on your spectrum, right? It could be shoes, clothes. It it, it could be houses, it could be cars, it could be more stamps for your stamp collection. Do, Do you crave things? Is the best part of your week that Amazon package? Is that what you look forward to more than anything? And you know, research used to think that only addictions were for like drugs and alcohol. But we see that it's actually the same response that we get from shopping. It can be found there. And here's the question. Is there anything I need outside of me and God? Is there anything I think I need to possess or own? Anything I need to bond myself to to feel complete? Those are possessions. And then we would say that the last one is pride. Now, pride is where it gets kind of tricky. Pride is kind of the underbelly of the first two, a lot of times it's the vehicle that drives our pleasures and our possessions. That we find ourselves at the center of our pleasures and that all the things that we are acquiring, all the things we want are for us and for our good. There's a pride thing there. And I'll tell you the tough thing about pride is that it can actually look really, really good, that pride may be what's driving, but the results are being celebrated. That's a really tough spot to be. Like maybe you're a workaholic and you put in 60 to 80 hours a week. No one's holding an intervention for you. You're getting a pat on the back. You're you're wearing it like a badge of honor. But what is it that's driving? Why are you working those hours? Is there something you're trying to prove to someone else? Are you trying to feel superior? What about this one? This addiction of being liked, of people pleasing. It's one that I struggle with. I can feel myself whenever I go through a season or a week where I'm I'm not getting affirmed the way I think I should, then it begins to kind of spiral in my identity and how I feel about myself and I can be completely wrecked by the end of the day. What is that? That is an addiction to pride. It's, it's, it's this idea that I need something else. I need to achieve something. I need to be something. I need to possess something that I don't currently have. And until I get it, I will not be enough. I need to bind myself. I need to be bound to something else so that I can feel worth it. And John takes all three of these and he says, hey, don't, don't fall into the trap. Don't fall into the trap believing that this will, but God won't. That there's any pleasure that will do for you what God can't do for you, that there's any possession you co- it's, like, it's, it's foolishness. But our culture tries to wrap us in that so that we can be uh, thankful for, for the quick pleasures that we get and the diminishing possessions. But it's even more than that, it's actually like a double edged sword because it's not just the things that we're trying to go after that are fleeting and fading. Our desires as well are unending. We are a bottomless pit that cannot be satisfied. Look at this. Look what it says in Proverbs. Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. Now, I'm going to use an example, and I'm going to pick on small children to prove this. But know that we could make it true for all of this. But go with me. Have you ever, you know, if you got kids, you wake up one day and you're like, today's going to be the day I'm about to blow their minds. Today is going to be the day that they look back on on the rest of their lives and say, that was the best day. And you wake up early and you go downstairs and you make breakfast for everyone and not just any breakfast. You think about it and you make breakfast different breakfast, you make his favorite breakfast and her favorite breakfast and her favorite breakfast and they come downstairs and they lose their minds. Like, are you kidding me? How did you know that this was my favorite? Because I live here with you and I know that you eat three things, but you make it. And they're losing their minds. This is the best day ever. This is the best day ever. And they're like, no. And it's like an infomercial. You're like, wait, 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 there's more. Go get dressed, put your shoes on. We're going to the park and you wrap everybody up and you go to the park and you're there for a long time. You know, parents like to be there about five, 10 minutes. And then we're like, were well, you guys good? No, we're there for a long time. Like we're getting there before other families and they're leaving and you're pointing it out like, hey, you guys remember, we were here before them and they're leaving after us. Cause that's what dad does, best day ever. And then you're at the park for hours, it's time to eat. And you're not gonna take them home for peanut butter and jelly, no, no, no. You're gonna go to the place that we all pretend like we don't take our kids to. Yeah, we're going to McDonald's. That's right, because that's what you love. Chicken nuggets and French fries. We're going to throw apple slices in there just to pretend like we really care about this meal right now. <laughs> and you're still not done. You're in there eating in the dining room. Remember when we used to do that? And you're sitting there eating it and you slip away for a second. I'll be right back, guys. And you go and you get ice cream for everyone. And you throw it down on the table. It just keeps going. Eat it. And they're just chocolate and vanilla, just all over their faces. And now it's almost, I mean, it's mid afternoon. You've been gone all day. And you're, you, you go and you're walking, you're, you're, you're excited, right? You just did something really cool. Your kids, I mean, they love you. And you walk through the doors and they kick off their shoes. And before they can get from the front door to the living room, they've already scanned. Oh! I'm so bored. What are we supposed to do now? Now, I don't hit my kids. I don't. I will. No, I don't. But I wanted to trip them. As they were walking into the living room, just... What are we going to do? Well, for the next few minutes, you're going to figure out how to get back up. After that, you can find something To do, never satisfied. Now, that was a dark moment into my heart. (laughs) Showcasing small children to prove a point. But the truth is, that's all of our hearts. That when we search after these things, that we go after them, and then we finally get them, we work years for it, or maybe our whole life for it, and then you get it and you're like, huh. It doesn't feel like I thought it would. That didn't take away the feelings that, that I thought it would. And because we need to talk about it. Because addiction isn't just this, this thing that kind of, on any kind of surface, surface level, we have to go deeper and to ask the hard questions of why. What is the problem we're trying to solve? And, and I think if we look at it from, from this graphic of an iceberg, you see, a lot of times we, we look at addiction from above the water, right? We see someone with an addiction or we struggle with an addiction. And we just think, well, we do that. Let's just stop doing that. You're addicted to this. We'll stop being addicted to that. You know, pull yourself up by your, by your bootstraps. One, my boots are strapless. Um, two, I don't even know what that means to pull yourself up um, from bootstraps. But... What we have to do is to realize that it's not just a surface conversation. That we have to get to the problem underneath the problem. That an addiction didn't just start out in the blue, but if it's created to try to solve a problem, what is the problem we're trying to solve? So we have to do, we have to be willing to go here, is to go into the deep waters of trauma. To ask the hard questions of ourselves of what is it really that I'm trying to solve? Why do I lean on these things the way that I do? And I think a lot of times we think trauma is like reserved for certain people or are people that had really rough upbringings or were abused. It is. For them, but it's also we all have traumatic experiences, moments in our lives that have shaped us, that have caused us to, to look for healing in different ways. We've all had traumatic experiences. Like, I could tell you seventh grade, and if there's anyone in seventh grade here today, may the Lord keep you and bless you. You are doing a good thing, okay? Just being there. That is a tough year. And I remember being in seventh grade, beginning seventh grade. This is when you go to gym. This is where they don't let you just go into gym with your your jeans and your T-shirt anymore. You gotta, you know, put on the gym clothes. And you're standing there, uh, never changed in front of anyone that doesn't have your last name before. And there's this guy next to me who looks about 35 and he's in seventh grade, (laughs) takes off his shirt just covered in hair. I'm like, well, so I'm like, getting dressed as fast as I can, getting my shorts on, get through gym, get to gym class. I mean, get to, get to lunch, sitting at the table. And I remember this kid sits down and we start talking and then he starts making fun of me. He says that I have a cottage cheese belly. And I remember like taking that in and uh-huh, laughing and I made fun of him, probably something about him or his mother. And, <laughs> but it stuck with me. It's 20 years later and I can still remember where I was, how it went. And if you don't think that shaped my friendships, how I viewed myself, what I tried to do to overcompensate, if I don't still think about that sometimes, when I'm getting changed, when I look in the mirror, when I go swimming, that I still have those voices in my head, that we have to be able to do the hard work of processing why, not just that we're doing something and stop doing it, but why, what is it that we're seeking? What lie are we believing, either with our words or with our actions, that God won't, but this will. So with shopping, what is it? What's in the deep waters of why you are acquiring things, so many things? You like nice things, yeah, we all do, but why? Is it because someone told you 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 would never amount to anything? So you've spent your life amounting all the things that you can and storing it into your office? Is it because someone told you that you weren't beautiful, but if you think that if you just clothe yourself in nice clothes, then people won't think that about you and you won't think that about you? Is it because someone made fun of your stomach, so you thought I'll just invest in nice shoes and clothes and they won't worry about the way my body looks? What is it? Why? What is it that you are seeking to be satisfied from? Addiction solved it temporarily. It suspended it. But what are you really trying to get to? Why? Why do you care so much about what people think? Why are you addicted to that? Drinking. What are you trying to numb? What are you trying to forget? Working. Why do you work as much as you do? What, why? Why? Not that you just like to work, or you're really good at it, why? What is driving you working out? It could be anything. We have to get to this spot of why. Because we begin to believe these lies of addiction, that they're actually helping us. That they're the things that are driving us to be better and to actually deal with the trauma. That there's somehow some kind of answer, but they're, they're not. And I think the Bible sums it up pretty good as to what we want from all addictions. And it's in Proverbs 24. You see, addictions don't heal anything, but here's what they, here's what they can do. Proverbs 24 says, Don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations and you will say crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast. And you will say, here it is. They hit me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't even know it when they beat me up. When will I wake up so I can look for another drink? You can replace this with any food, drink, work, pride, possession. This is what we're after with addiction. They hit me, but I didn't feel it. I can't stop the thoughts from coming in my head. I can't stop replaying the story. I can't stop seeing the screen. I can't, I just need it to stop. And then we find something that we can become addicted to, that we can bond ourselves to. And then we can say with pride, keep on swinging, keep on hitting, but I can't feel it as long as I have this thing. And we believe the lie that there's somehow any kind of healing in that. But we need to ask, why? And we need to do the hard work of going into the trauma, to go into the deep waters, And to feel it, to feel the why, to feel the pain, to feel the story, to feel the words so that we can process it. Feel it, not so that we have to live there or believe that that's where we belong, feel it. So that we can grab a hold of it in the deep waters, in the darkness of our minds and our hearts. And we can begin to pull it out and drag it kicking and screaming out of the water into the air. So that God can actually deal with it. So that God can bring healing to it. Because God can't heal anything we don't acknowledge. But we have to be willing to process it. We have to be willing to go to the parts that we've said that we would never go to before. We have to stop pretending like it's not that big of a deal. We have to want healing. And I just want to give us a few things that we can all do because we're all addicted to something. How do we find healing? Here's just a few things. First, we have to identify it. Identify what we are addicted to. And here's just a, a way to frame it up and to begin to look at it so we can pinpoint it of what it is that we could be addicted to. Do I find it hard to love God and to love people because of this? In 1 John, he talks about it like they're, they're in complete opposition. The ways of the world are addictions, the things that we obey and, and God. So if we can look at it from that angle and say, is there anything in my life that that I'm leaning on too much. And the way I can know is, is it's stopping my relationships. It's taking down my relationships with one another, with me and my friends, and it's stopping me from being able to have a close relationship with God. That we need to identify it. And the second thing is, invite someone in. Invite someone in. Addictions feed on this idea that you are the only one going through this. You are the only one that this has happened to. No one will ever understand why you do what you do. That is a lie. You are at a church right now, thousands of people that no matter what your addiction is, no matter what your struggle is, chances are whether it's happened exactly to them, they can relate to you. That, they, that the moment you raise your hand and you invite someone in it is the moment that you see how many other people are struggling just like you. In Proverbs, it says that when it's talking about our, our hearts, that the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. There's a lot of things that even this week, when you begin to try to process it, you won't be able to pinpoint it. You won't be able to figure it out on your own. You need trusted mentors and friends to draw it out, to be vulnerable enough to say, I'm gonna share this with you, not with social media. This doesn't need to be a post to thousands of people. It needs to be a conversation with a few of help me work through this because I wanna get to the root of it. Invite someone in. The third one is this. Will you fast from it this week? There's probably a lot of you who since we've been talking about addiction and what it is as a a solve for a mental and emotional problem, you've went back and forth over the past 30 minutes. Like, that's not an addiction. That's just a little thing that I do. I'm in control of that. That's not what he's talking about. That is. That thing that you've had to second guess, that's the thing that I'm talking about. That's the thing that could be stealing from you stopping you from the life that God has for you. So I just want to ask you, if that's you, if you're on the fence about it, fast from it. And not just fast from it, but begin to ask the questions, to process what is going on when you feel those moments come, when you go to lean on that thing, when you go to look for that pleasure, to ask the question, God, search my heart. Why do I want this? Why am I believing the lie that you won't but this will? Will you fast from it? But I want to be clear, too, that that is for anyone that is on the fence about it. There's some people here today that you know you have an addiction. You don't need an experiment. You don't need another day. You're saying, I know that that's me. I struggle with that. And if that's you, I, I, I don't want to recommend anything other than please raise your hand. Please, not, not physically in this moment, but please reach out for help, to meet with an expert, to pray with people, to, to just open that door to healing. And we just want you to know as a church, we are for you. We've actually created a whole page, tpcc.org care. On this, you will find clinical specialists in different areas of addiction. You'll find support groups that meet all over the city. You'll be able to branch out and to find other groups so that you do not have to do this alone, that you are not alone and that God can bring healing. From what I've seen, God brings healing in three ways. He brings healing through his spirit. He brings healing through his people and he brings healing through his word. And I haven't seen anything that God can't meet. I can't see anything that God can't do I've seen God work through his spirit miraculously in a moment. I prayed with someone, I've talked with someone, I've heard stories and they come back and they say, I don't have that craving anymore. And that's beautiful. But I will say more than I see that, what I see is that people wrestling with addiction, choosing to go to God every single day, waking up and to say, I'm no longer gonna be enslaved to or bonded to this thing, but God, I'm gonna look to you. Because I think the way God does this is because him freeing us from an addiction is not his primary concern. Because if he just frees us from an addiction, we'll just find another addiction. It's not enough just to free us from that. What he's trying to get us to is to see that only he can be dependent on. Only he is strong enough to sustain. Only he is, is the only one that doesn't overpromise and underdeliver. He is the only one that can truly sustain more than a craving, but actual substance and life. It is all found in him through his spirit. Every single day that you go through your addiction, and some days are better than others, but even when you fall, even when you relapse, you know that the spirit of God is there waiting for you ready to take you in, ready to meet you with his grace, through his spirit, through his people. God has gifted some of the brightest minds in the world to be there for you, to help you navigate this, to help you, because this is not just a mental or an emotional problem, it is a spiritual one. And that we get to be around people, that they get to pour into us, that we don't have to do this Alone, He uses his people to bring healing. We need them. And then finally, his word, that it's new and living every single day. It's filled with wisdom that we can go to every day. And what it does is it reinforces the other two. I wake up and I read God's word. I know that his spirit is still at work. Doing miracles, changing lives, giving me the strength that I need to make it through this one day. I pray God takes it, but even if he doesn't, I believe that his power will give me enough to sustain me throughout this day. I read that in his word. And then I read in his word about how important community is, that we were never meant to do this alone. That, uh, that addiction will try to isolate us and keep us alone and keep us in shame. And God's spirit and his word will constantly be pushing us into community. And then over and over again, we begin to find healing. And I wanna talk to anyone right now who's struggling, who has done everything, tried this and that, tried to live for this, tried to live for that, and you're at the end of your rope. You don't think that there is anything that can satisfy you. You're beginning to think that it must be me. I must be broken. It is not you. The world has no way to satisfy you. The cravings that you have cannot be satisfied in a pleasure, in a possession, or in your own pride. You see, addiction is our attempt to feel love, to feel worthy, or to numb the pain of not feeling loved. What God provides through his gospel is a very clear message that you don't need to hide. You don't need to live in the dark, deep waters of trauma. You don't need to believe the lie that you are unworthy of love. You are loved. You are worth dying for. You are worth moving heaven and earth and hell just to get to you. that there is no pleasure to be found outside of God that will satisfy you. The only pleasure is God's unconditional love, and we can come face to face with that, that we can know that you are fully known and fully loved, that you don't have to hide. That's only when you're satisfied. That it's no possession. It's nothing you can attain. It's nothing that you can work towards. It's only when you realize that you are God's prized possession you are God's masterpiece. You are handcrafted. You are beautiful. Even in your flaws and all, you are made in the image of God only. When we realize that, that is nothing we can attain, but that we are that prized possession, that's when we get satisfaction. Pride. The only thing that can deal with our pride is humility. And there is nothing more humbling than the gospel message. That it says that we didn't just meet, we didn't meet God halfway. He didn't tag us in. No, we were dead in our sins. We had to be rescued. We had to be saved. It was nothing we did. We couldn't acquire it. We couldn't work through it. No. Humble yourself. It's not that you're a doctor. It's not that you're successful. It'll be nothing you can achieve, nothing you can prove. It is with open hands that you can attain this grace and this gospel. Not next to a bank account, not next to a resume. Only when we come to this place of our identity to say, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. That is the only thing that can satisfy. The problem with addiction is not that we want too much. It's that we don't want enough. It's that we don't think we're worthy of all that God has. It's that we don't think we're worthy to stand in front of him, but he has proven it. He sent Jesus here for you. God went through excruciating pain, died on a sin, died on the cross for all of our sins, for all of our addictions, all of our falls, all of our shortcomings wrapped it all up and covered it in the blood of Jesus. We have nothing to hide from. We have no reason to run. We can stand in confidence coming to Jesus and we know how he will respond. The only thing that can break an addiction, not just at some surface level, but to get to the root of it, to unbond us from whatever we are bonded to is to come to this truth that there is someone so much greater, so much stronger that has already promised an unbreakable bond to you. And let anything come, but nothing can separate what God has brought to you. Can we celebrate here this morning, what God has done, what God is willing to do right now. And I don't know about you, but I've seen addiction take too much. I've seen addiction kill, I've seen addiction steal, my family, my friends, all because they believed a lie. I'm gonna spend the rest of my life telling people that they are worthy of love, that God has laid it all out. There is one thing strong enough, and it is Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. That's for you today, anyone, no matter what. I just wanna close today by praying this prayer. It's in 1 John, it's how he closes it. I wanna close with it for all of us. And right now, I just wanna ask you to stand. Stand with us in this moment, this moment of pointing towards Jesus, the moment in believing he is as good as he is. He is as strong as he claims to be. He is the only one. Look at this prayer from 1 John. It says, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts, anything. We're going to war with all of it. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. God, we thank you for one another that we don't have to go through this alone. God, right now in this moment, steal from our minds and our hearts the lie that you won't, but this will. The truth is you already have and you already did. God, allow us, help us to believe that. Help us to live like that's true. God, help us this week to do the deep water work to go into the depths and to not be afraid of what we'll find because we're taking you with us. And God, we will grab it kicking and screaming to you for it's only you that bring healing. It's only you that can break us from these bonds. It is only you that take us out of slavery. God, let us spend the rest of our lives championing you, celebrating you, pointing to you, Waking up and learning to be more and more dependent on you until it's less and less of us, until it's completely you. God, for everyone here today that is struggling with an addiction, in your spirit right now, God, bring this moment of hope that there will come a day when the addiction will end, when the desire will fall, when the craving will stop. You've made a way eternally, to be with you forever. There will come a day. Help us until that day to hold on, to hold on to hope, to hold on to you. Jesus, you are our anchor. It is in you we trust. It is you alone that are faithful. Jesus, we love you. It's in your perfect name we pray. Amen.